He's Amit Carr, and I'm Telly Concepcion, and together we are Beyond the Numbers Podcast. We go beyond the numbers of sports and life to bring you the story within the story of the stories that matter. So come learn, grow, and have some fun with us. We are Beyond the Numbers Podcast. On today's episode, guys discuss COVID long haulers and how the disease continues to affect athletes. In their new series, Athletes Who Served, they highlight the NFL's Pat Tillman, Jack Loomis, and Rocky Blyer. They also dive into the explosive college football duo the Florida Gators have in Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts. It's a Kyle to Kyle connection. And in NFL Nuggets, they go beyond the numbers of week 12 of the 2020 NFL season the rise in COVID cases, the generosity of Jace Whitaker, and the firing of Matt Patricia. But first, their numbers of the day. My number for the day is 13. There were 14 black head coaches among 130 FBS programs. Vanderbilt just fired Derek Mason this past weekend, so make it 13. That means that only 10% of the programs have black head coaches in a sport in which nearly half the players are black. In the SEC, 61% of players are black. And now that Vanderbilt has fired Derek Mason, two of the Power Five conferences, the SEC and the Big 12, do not have a black head coach. My number for the day is 85.7 million. And that's what LeBron James got paid for his two-year extension with the L.A. Lakers. And to break that down, that's $3.57 million a month, $117,397 a day, $4,891 an hour, $82 a minute, or $1.36 a second. So since you started this segment and I added on to this segment, he's made about $100. Bucks. Before the business, Beyonders, it's time for Before the Business, where we answer your unanswered questions and find the numbers that went unfound in previous episodes. So this week we have news, um, sad news. Rayford Johnson, the breathtaking Olympic gold medal winner who became an adored symbol of good sportsmanship and civic generosity, died Wednesday at his home in Sherman Oaks. He was 86 years old. His legacy is interwoven with Los Angeles history, beginning with his performances as a world-class athlete at UCLA and punctuated by the night in 1968 when he helped disarm Robert F. Kennedy's assassin at the Ambassador Hotel. He led an amazing life. He went from picking cotton to becoming a four-star athlete and an Olympic gold medalist. I had not heard of him before, Ahmed, but definitely wanted to bring this story forward and highlight it because the story that they wrote up for him in the LA Times was amazing. NBA news. We got to give you guys some NBA news. It's no, no longer bubble news, sadly, because there will be no NBA bubble this year. But as Ahmed stated in his number of the day, LeBron has inked a new deal with the Lakers. It is only for two years in Ahmed. You had a theory as to why his deal is only 
for two years. Well, in two years, his son will be able to join the NBA. So I have a sense that whoever picks him may get a little package deal with him trying to sign there as well. And as we've said this before on numerous episodes, it would be a very... I don't even call them the New York Knicks anymore. They're the Madison Square Garden Knicks because that's pretty much the only place they're relevant. The MSG, that would, they're bad for your health. The MSG. <laughs> they are by far the one team that would sign LeBron to some ridiculous contract when he's 38. So it would make sense. It would make sense. Do you know that if they get LeBron, then they can say that their plan worked all along, that all these years of tanking on it were to get LeBron James, and they could claim victory in accomplishing that feat, regardless of his age at the time. At some point, you're not tanking. You're just consistently bad. I'm just saying they could they could claim victory if they get him. <laughs> they'll, they'll claim a lot of things if they get him. But let's stick with the Lakers. All-NBA forward Anthony Davis has formally agreed to a five-year, $190 million max contract to stay with the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers. And the deal will include an early termination option prior to the fifth year of the deal in 2024-2025. Big moves in LA, and they've already attracted a lot of talent, so this will only create a little more stability for them to bring more in. Yeah, I figured he'd sign for more. I guess he's not eligible for the Supermax because he's only played for the Lakers one year. I thought he'd start doing one- and two-year deals similar to what LeBron's been doing because, as we've discussed on the podcast, the pot increases each year. So the pot gets larger, and so does the amount of money players can earn each year. But take what you can get now because in the era of COVID, we don't know if fans will be back. In other Lakers news, Dwight Howard, Amit, thought he was re-signing with the Lakers. Sent out a tweet. He went, he did a, oh he sent out a tweet. Can't wait to be back with the Lakers. The Lakers didn't offer him. Then he signed with the Sixers like 20 minutes later. Then the Lakers called him. He messed up. Already signed the contract with the Sixers. It's, it's just Dwight being Dwight, in my opinion. That was pretty crazy, that story. And I can't wait till all the details come out. Yeah. And we can talk about it some more. Yeah, you know, once the season starts and reporters start asking him, he will, with his goofy smile, explain the whole thing. So I'm looking and forward Lakers, to hearing what happens. The Lakers stole Montrez Harrell from the Clippers. And apparently, Montrez Harrell only had to say one thing about that deal. The Clippers ain't want me, so look for this rivalry to intensify. It looks like the Lakers are loading up. The Clippers lost their coach. They lost their center. Nobody likes Paul George. Nobody wants to play there anymore. Kawhi disappeared in the playoffs. So, I mean, I don't know. It looks like these teams are diverging again. And speaking of teams that are kind of all over the place, Russell Westbrook got traded away from Houston for John Wall. So Westbrook to Washington, Wall to Houston, and in addition to Wall, Houston also gets a first-round pick, not this coming season, but the following season. Yeah, 2023 first-rounder. I thought that was interesting. It wasn't a straight-up trade. John Wall tore his Achilles. He hasn't played in like two seasons. He's on a super, super max contract. So, uh, you know, I think the beard still wants out of Houston. I think 
nobody wants to play there. I don't know. This sounds like a desperate move to me, but De Westbrook definitely wanted out and they were able to get Westbrook out. John Wall wanted out of Washington. They were able to get John Wall out of Washington. We'll see if switching places for these guys work out for their careers or for these teams. Well, I joked, I joked about this to you. I sent something out. I said, these two teams have decided that they're going to swap max super max contracts to collectively make each other worse. So we'll see how it plays out. I think the John Wall contract was probably one of the more ridiculous contracts, right? Cause he signed a four year extension in 2017. And from my understanding, he's only played in 73 total games since 2017. And a lot has to do with the emergence of Bradley Beal. He's balling, so he's going to be the new face of the franchise now where Bradley Beal was supposed to be the Pippin to John Wall's Jordan. Bradley Beal's emerged as a Jordan himself. No need for Wall with the Achilles and with some of the controversial things he's been saying in the offseason. So Washington dealt him. It's time for our new segment, Amit. College football corner it just felt right there were so many stories that we were going to try this is a production note to squeeze them before the business but i was like you know what college football is too important for that so we got to give it its own segment So college football, Amit, my Florida Gators. I didn't want to do a whole segment here. I just wanted to talk about the cow to cow connection, specifically Kyle Pitts. On the year, Kyle Pitts has caught 29 passes, 513 yards, 11 touchdowns. He has only played in six games this season. The cow to cow connection lived on. Amit, I think I texted you the t-shirt. It's a throwback. It looks like the shirts they had back in the early 90s. It was a throwback to Bayside High and that 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 television show that so many people watch Saved by the Bell. That connection lived on as Kyle Trask was able to key in on his go-to target. All three of his touchdowns against Kentucky Saturday went to Pitts. He went on a complete 21 of 27 passes for 256 yards. My favorite quote on it was this one. Quote, Kyle Pitts is most definitely going to see me this week, said Weaver of Pitts earlier this week via the Kentucky Courier Journal. We've just got to be more physical than him. That's it. He's a great player. He's going to get up and jump, but he's never had a J.J. Weaver on him before. You know what, J.J. Weaver? He has now, and he only scored on you three times, including his very first touchdown when he blew you out. Kyle Pitts, Amit, has 11 touchdowns on the season let me run some numbers for you guys out there in the sec mississippi state has 11 touchdowns vanderbilt has 11 touchdowns kyle pitts has more touchdowns than auburn at 10 kentucky at seven missouri at seven south carolina at seven and tennessee our opponent this coming week only has six my last plug kyle trask for heisman I don't do it on it. I don't get excited about guys. Even my own guys, I'm very careful to throw the Heisman word out there. But this dude deserves it. He's become the first player in SEC history to throw for 30 or more touchdown passes in the first 
seven games of the season, passing Tua, passing Joe Burrow. He is on pace to blow those guys' records out of the water. He has to win the Heisman this year. So it's hard. Amit, we tried to use this podcast as an escape, but it's hard to escape the realities of COVID-19 and the threats that, quite frankly, are all around us. I watched 60 Minutes two weeks ago, and it highlighted a group and a story that I think has not had enough publicity, and that is COVID long haulers, people that have had the virus for months, people who have long-term effects, They talked about a young lady who was running marathons and running 5Ks regularly, and she could barely walk or would get out of breath at the grocery store. That is crazy. The reason we wanted to talk about it here is because this also affects athletes, and we're forgetting that athletes are quite literally putting their lives on the line for us at the moment and risking it to play sports. A small percentage of COVID-19 patients turn out to be these long haulers. They deal with symptoms long after tests come back negative, and really little is known about what causes these symptoms to persist in certain patients. Athletes and other sports have also dealt with serious long-term repercussions after their diagnosis. And we've talked about this significantly over past episodes, specifically with Boston Red Sox pitcher, Eduardo Rodriguez, as we've stated before, suffered myocarditis, which is the inflammation of the heart. During his bout with COVID-19, he just recently started walking uh, at the end of September. Um, So, and and they're definitely looking for him to have a full recovery um, and be able to play next year as of right now, but it's still, there's still a long path for him to get there. Yeah, most NBA players diagnosed with COVID-19 have recovered relatively quickly. Mo Bamba of the Orlando Magic appears to be the exception to that, and this piece was very troubling. The third-year center picked six overall in the 2018 NBA draft was diagnosed with the coronavirus on June 11th. He tested negative in time to report to the NBA bubble, but he was not capable of playing there. That is crazy to think. He is still not able to play. You're talking about a young guy, professional athlete. Yeah, and now six months later, he is still dealing with symptoms. And as the Magic head coach Steve Clifford said, there's no real timetable for him to be able to come back and fully participate. Clifford went on to say, I think that he'll be able to do some things that are more organizational and everything, but he's ways away and there's no timetable on his return. In June, Bamba told The Athletic that he lost his sense of smell and taste and was unusually fatigued uh, and dealt with muscle soreness. And this is what we saw in that 60 minutes piece on it. Like these people are tremendous shape, doing marathons, running, working out every day. I think one of the young ladies they talked to was an ins- a fitness instructor, like a CrossFit instructor. And now daily tasks going up and down the stairs of her Brooklyn apartment causes her issues. Going to the store is too much, is too mind numbing for her. She has a hard time with clarity of thoughts. She gets out of breath just doing a lap around the grocery store. So that's scary. The theory behind professional sports being played at all during a pandemic is that young fit athletes are low risk patients for this virus cases like Mobamba's are proof of that theory's flaws. And we have highlighted that repeatedly here on the podcast, especially for college athletes who do not get paid. They do not get paid for putting their lives at risk. 
positive tests continue to rise. And here in the Bay Area, Amit, you know I'm out here in Silicon Valley. I live in Santa Clara County, San Francisco area, has already stopped contact sports from being played in the county and other areas could join in. For example, they've already canceled the games here. The 49ers will not be able to play here up the street. They'll have to reschedule these games. They'll have to play them in Arizona because no contact sports allowed here. There's no reason to believe that the NBA season is in jeopardy yet, but as the numbers that we're about to state, more cases like Mo Bamba's will raise questions about whether or not basketball should be played at all right now. Yeah, and as the NBA prepares uh, for the season to start up here on December 22nd, um, they have done an initial set of testing just as they did before they opened up the, the bubble in Orlando. Um, and they had 48 positive tests out of the 546 tested between November 24th and November 30th. So while the league's positivity rate is only 8.8% in the initial testing, which is lower than the national average of 10.2% during that same time frame. It's also significantly higher than the 5.3% they saw uh, late July last year before they went into the bubble. They knew this was coming. Um, I think, you know, nothing has really changed. I know I've heard people say, you know, if they're not going in the bubble now, what was the point of going in the bubble in June, July, August to finish the season? They have detailed out 134 page health and safety protocol. Um, and essentially what it says is players will have to refrain from workouts for 10 days if he tests positive and remains asymptomatic or 10 days from the end of his symptoms if he has any. After that, a player will then have to spend two days working out individually, as well as having to pass cardiac screenings before they're allowed to resume full team activities. It's actually going to be a fairly long period of time. Players could be out, and if you have symptoms, that could be really long. Yeah, and NBA games are not once a week like the NFL, right? We're running into trouble with the NFL, but that's a once a week league. The NBA plays, you know, anywhere from three to five games a week. So that would vastly affect the schedule. Let's say LeBron or high profile players out for a week, two weeks of time. That's issue. You know, that would make it, you know, based on what they've given out a minimum of 12 days from the time a player tested positive until he's able to resume full participation with teammates. And the scary thing is, right, if you're asymptomatic, you can pass along the virus. It affects everyone differently. So what if guys start catching it from guys that are asymptomatic or slip through the cracks of a test is different than the bubble where they could control everything. The food, who's in or out, tests every day. No one's left and come back in without a quarantine or a test. This is going to be greatly different. We'll talk about the NFL numbers coming up here in the NFL Nuggets segment, but we just felt it was important to point this out. Again, we love the podcast and we love Beyonders. We try to use this as an escape for ourselves and we hope that you guys enjoy it the same as well. But the reality is that COVID-19 is still out there and it will be affecting sports well into next year. So this month of December, we wanted to celebrate athletes who served their country. As we've mentioned before, Veterans Day was on November 11th. 
due to the armistice that took place on 11 on the 11th hour of the 11th day on the 11th month. So for those of you that don't know, we celebrated Veterans Day on November 11th. And it got us thinking about all the pro athletes who've either joined the military after their pro careers or many who enlisted long before and then swapped out their uniforms for the ones you and I can buy at various sporting goods stores. While there are over 100 individuals that we could point out, we pulled out a few names that you may recognize and a few that may surprise you. We should probably start with someone that everybody knows and recognizes, and that is one of the most current athletes who served in our military, Pat Tillman of the NFL. Eight months after the attacks of 9-11, Pat Tillman chose to leave his professional football career with the Arizona Cardinals and his $3.6 million contract to enlist. As an army ranger, he served a tour in Iraq before being redeployed to Afghanistan. On April 22nd of 2004, Pat Tillman was killed in a friendly fire incident. He was awarded a Silver Star, Purple Heart, and posthumous promotion, and his number was retired both by the Arizona Cardinals and the college team he played for at Arizona State. He gave the ultimate sacrifice for his country, and Pat Tillman is still honored today every year by the NFL. Earlier in the last century, we look at Jack Loomis, also an NFL player. After playing in nine games for the New York Giants as a rookie end, Jack Loomis enlisted in the Marine Corps Reserves on January 30th, 1942, in the first wave of troops to land on Iwo Jima in February 19th, 1945. He and his platoon remained on the island after the initial day to continue to battle the Japanese. Commanding Company E's third rifle platoon on March 8th, Loomis helped knock out three enemy strongholds despite suffering injuries from grenade shrapnel before being mortally wounded by a landmine. Before dying, he famously told a field doctor, well, doc, the New York Giants lost a mighty good end today. Loomis was posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor. Lastly, Rocky Blyer of the NFL. I recently saw this story, Ahmed, on ESPN. They highlighted him, and we will add this link in the Twitter. But after playing just one season with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Rocky Blyer was drafted into the Army and sent off to Vietnam. While on patrol in 1969, Blyer's platoon was ambushed and his right leg was impaled by, by flying shrapnel. Although doctors told him he would never play football again, Blyer, who had been awarded a Purple Heart and Bronze, and bronze Star, was inspired by a personal note from Steelers owner Art Rooney and reported to training camp just one year later. He spent two years trying to regain a spot on the active roster finally achieving his goal and becoming a starter in 1974. Yes, a starter in 1974. When he retired in 1980, Blyer had 3,865 rushing yards, 1,294 receiving yards, 25 touchdowns, and four Super Bowl championships to his credit. It's an amazing story. And ESPN recently took him back to Vietnam where he found the field that he fought on it was very emotional for him, and he got in touch with some people that he talked to while he served as a young man over there. So we will definitely, as Telly said, put it on the Twitter. It will be on the Twitter, folks. On, on the, the Twitter. Twitter. It's time for our new segment, NFL Nuggets, where we go beyond the numbers and bring you the stories 
within the story of the stories that matter within the NFL. NFL Nuggets, beyond the numbers of the NFL Week 12. And Amit, as we mentioned at the top, there's an explosion of COVID cases throughout the NFL, and it keeps impacting the league week after week. That's right. So the NFL tests approximately 70 players daily and approximately 100 player-facing employees per team, and that includes coaches, training staff, equipment staff, etc. In three months of testing from August 1st to October 31st, 63 players and 99 team staffers tested positive for COVID-19 for a total of 162 positive. In three weeks of testing from November 1st to November 21st, 60 players and 118 team staffers tested positive for COVID-19, a total of 178 positive. So we've definitely seen an increase across the board. I think as we've seen the schedule kind of run back and forth um, and having Wednesday Wednesday afternoon games, uh, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting piece. We talked about earlier about a week 18 possibly happening. We have not seen that yet, but I think if we continue to see games having to be moved, week 18 is going to be inevitable. Yeah, it's looking more and more likely. And we know that the t- change in times, change in time of day, playing Amit, guys have a routine, guys have a pattern. How about this for a pattern, a Thanksgiving pattern? Thanksgiving week 2019, the Raiders, the six and four Raiders traveled to the Eastern time zone to face a three win team playing out the string and get blown out. A final of 34 for the Jets, three for the Raiders. Thanksgiving week 2020, a Raiders team, a six and four Raiders team travels to the East time zone to face a three win team playing out the string and getting blown out. That is the Falcons who beat the Raiders 43 to 6 this past week, Ahmed. <laughs> Some great numbers. The Jets blow you out 34 to 3, and the Falcons blow you out 43 to 6. Think about that. The Falcons have found every way possible to lose this season, and the Raiders have played the Chiefs toe to toe both times. And right? they beat them one time. once, but the time. second time, the second time was close. And then they get blown out by the Falcons. And they get blown out by the Falcons. I will say being out here on the West Coast, though, that West to East trip ain't easy. That that flight to the East Coast is not easy. And if you check the historical records, NFL teams usually do not fare well playing an early game following a West to East Coast road trip. So we want to talk about Thanksgiving generosity. We got a ton of positive feedback from last week's episode about beyond the numbers of Thanksgiving. NFL players usually do generous things around Thanksgiving, but this was truly impressive. An undrafted rookie practice squad player, cornerback Jace Whitaker, donated $2,500. Now, that may not sound like a lot to you, but he donated $2,500 in order to feed 40 families in need from a Tempe, Arizona middle school. Yeah, and as an NFL practice squad player, if kept at that classification, he makes about 142,000 a year. That number rises if he play, if the player is promoted to the active roster. As of this week, Whitaker's projected annual salary is $252,000. Um, so hopefully that works out, but this is the NFL, no money is guaranteed and he could just as easily be cut next week. 
right? And have no money coming in. So exactly. it is a nice gesture from a player who really doesn't know what his future is going to be. And good on the Cardinals to point him in the direction of a school in need. Yeah, I love this story. He's a practice squad guy. He's not a big name guy. He doesn't have a name for himself yet. But that doesn't mean that he can't do the right thing and use his powers for good. This is his quote. I want to read it directly. Quote, I don't have a big contract, but we are all God's children. I understand the world today with the pandemic and the employment situation is in need. This is my first real job ever in my family, and I thought it would be a good thing to help people. My parents raised me to be kind to everyone. Football, thankfully, is helping me do something like this. So God bless him. That is an awesome story. Jace Whitaker, we wish you nothing but the best. We wish you a full-time spot on the team. And we got this piece from Peter King. So thank you to Peter King for highlighting this. We felt that we should do the same. When we look at Whitaker, that's just a stud in terms of who he is as a person. Let's talk about some of the studs we had on the field this week, Telly. Oh, yeah. We got to start with a little Texans love, a little Texans love. Under Bill O'Brien, the Texans were 0-4, Amit. Zero wins, four losses. Under Romeo Cronell, they are four wins and only three losses. So shouts out to Romeo Cronell, doing it right, turning things around for the Texans. Think about this. If they were in the NFC East, they'd be in first place. Exactly. From worst to first. From worst to first. Romeo Cornell might have a job. I don't know. He might have a job in the NFC East soon. We'll see about that. Only two players in Titans franchise history have rushed for 10 more touchdowns in three straight seasons. That's Earl Campbell and Derek Henry. The beast. Beast mode is what we need to start calling him. That's right. And speaking of twos, only two quarterbacks have thrown for 3,000 or more yards over their first 10 career starts. Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Money Mahomes, and Justin Herbert. Justin Haircut Herbert, your boy. Y'all was hanging out. That's what we're going to call him now. Patrick haircut. Money Mahomes, Justin Haircut Herbert. We need to get my man Justin looking crispy like we got Seth looking right. The Cleveland Browns have their first 8-3 and three record since 1994. I, I, I don't even know what to say. That's all I got to say. And going back to my boy Money Mahomes, he threw for 462 yards in week 12, which is the most ever by any quarterback in a head-to-head -head matchup against your boy, Thomas Brady. Yeah, I'm gonna have to talk about that one. I'm gonna have to talk about that one. Did, uh, what's his name, get all of those yards himself, Tyree Kill? <laughs> Pretty close. He just wanted to leave him open and let him do whatever he wants. Anyways, the Atlanta Falcons have themselves a kicker. And I know I'm going to put this in here because he wanted me to trip up over this name. Man. What's his so name? We're going to spell it out for you guys. We're going to ask you to figure out how do you say it. And then I'm going to say it. It's Y-O-U-N-G-H-O-E. That's his first name. K-O-O -O is his second name. I believe we have Young Ho Koo. And he's been on fire this season. He's made 29 field goals. That's the most in the NFL. He scored 109 points. That's the most in the NFL. He's six for six from 50 plus yards this season. And he has a 96.7 field goal percentage in the NFL with a minimum of 15 attempts. That puts him at first. So do your thing, Mr. Coe. Do your 
thing. And he was he was released by the Patriots and the Chargers. So it's a feel good story too. All the Patriots kickers have come back for their Eagles to roost after after being let go this season. They got game winning kicks. They got the best kicker in the league. They've had a couple of people they've let go this season at kicker come back and do some big things. So I don't know. Maybe Belichick is losing his touch. Maybe he lost Thomas and he can't, you know, he can't see the, the woods from the trees, as they say. Or is it the tree from the woods? Speaking of going off, DK Metcalf went off on the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night. And it, to on, it. it only makes sense to compare him to Eagles wide receiver JJ Arcega Whiteside, who was drafted before DK in the 2019 draft. So yep. DK's put up 10, had 10 receptions, 177 yards, no touchdowns. JJ, 12 receptions, 214 yards, one touchdown. And I know J. what you're J. thinking, J. Telly. J. I know J. what you're J. thinking. JJ. <laughs> I didn't see JJ do all that on Monday night. And you're right. DK's 177 yards and zero touchdowns are from Monday night's game. JJ's numbers are his career numbers to this point. JJ, I would like to po- gotta go to class, man. You gotta go to class. The Eagles passed on him three times in that draft. I don't know what to say. Yeah, I mean, come on. JJ gotta go to class. DK's in a whole nother class. Him and Russell Wilson have something special. Cooking up, Chef Wilson, cooking it up. They went on vacation together, Amit. He brought his helmet to vacation. It was DK, Russell, and Sierra. They were just hanging out. Russell was throwing passes during the day and hanging out with Sierra at night. The Chiefs have ridiculous offensive weapons. We know that. I learned this firsthand. Um, I learned it this week. I learned it. I got my hand burnt watching this game, and I'm glad the Bucks came back. But they have the two top NFL receiving leaders in Tyreek Hill, who's at 1,021 yards, and Travis Kelsey at 978 yards. The last time two teammates completed the season one and two in receiving yards was the 1980 Chargers with John Jefferson and Kellen Winslow. Senior. Senior. And speaking of people just owning things, Aaron Rodgers owns the Chicago Bears. His career against the Bears, 20-5 and and a 1-0 in the postseason. He has thrown for 5,773 yards and 51 touchdowns. 51 touchdowns in 25 games. Yeah, and another person who's balling Amit might have fallen behind, fallen through the cracks falling below the radar we mentioned the texans at the top is deshaun watson who is 17 of 25 for 318 yards four touchdowns no picks a 150.4 qbr on thanksgiving day in the 41 to 25 win at detroit in the seven games since houston changed coaches after starting 0-4 deshaun has been on fire How does he compare to the other great quarterbacks of the day? Patrick Money Mahomes, which you talked about, and Aaron, that bad man Rodgers since week five in accuracy. Deshaun Watson, 70.6% accurate. Money Mahomes, 69.6. Aaron Rodgers, 67.4. In passing yards, Money Mahomes, 
2,363, Deshaun Watson, 2,109, Aaron Rodgers, 1,886. Touchdown and interception differential, Mahomes is plus 17, Deshaun Watson is plus 16, Aaron Rodgers plus 16. QB or R, their quarterback rating, Aaron Rodgers is third with 111.4. Money Mahomes is second with 116.3. Deshaun Watson is number one with the 120.3 quarterback rating. Don't sleep on him. It seems like all they needed was a change of pace at coach at the Texans. I'm at Romeo Cornell. Got it done. Getting it done. See, black coaches can coach. More on that at the bottom. Another person we wanted to highlight was Antonio Gibson, the running back for the Washington team. I don't even know what they call them, Ahmed, but you know what? On this podcast, we call them the Red Tails. So Antonio Gibson is the Washington Red Tails running back. And at Dallas, he, a college receiver, broke up the Thanksgiving Day game at Dallas with a 23-yard and a 37-yard touchdown, both in the fourth quarter. He had 38 catches in college at Memphis and 33 rushes, but Washington saw enough of him to think he could be a great NFL running back. And after his 20 carry, 115 yard, three touchdown effort against the Cowboys, my man is only 355 yards away from a thousand yard rushing season in his first year as a full-time running back with five games left to get it. How crazy is that? And lastly, Joey Boza, defensive end, Los Angeles Chargers. I did not run into him. I That's probably him. a good thing. That's probably him. a good thing you didn't run into Joey Bosa. I looked for him. In a 10-point loss at Buffalo, the feisty Bosa was the best player on the field by far. He had three sacks, eight tackles, and three more tackles for a loss and a fumble recovery. He was a defensive beast and they lost the game so just imagine if they start winning i mean he earned his check he did his job that loss was not on him so let's jump to the duds for the first time in thomas's career he has lost three straight home games first time telly first time so I, want, I wanted to talk about the Bucks for a little bit right here. You know what I'm saying? Because if you watched the game this week, it was on CBS. It was a treat. I usually watch games on Fox. You know, the NFC's on Fox. The Bucks play on Fox. And Tony Romo had a lot of astute commentary, Ahmed. If you noticed, he said that the Bucks issues could be corrected. It looked like a lot of the receivers didn't know the audibles that Brady was calling. So... I was impressed that the Bucks came back in the game. They lost the game. I thought it was going to be 40 to zero the way the game started, right? <laughs> I mean, that game looked like it was going to be straight up a destruction. We ended up cutting it to three. So I thought we did a pretty good job. Now, Tony Romo is predicting the Chiefs and the Bucks in the Super Bowl. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far yet I'm <laughs> with my analysis of the Bucks. Let me see a couple more games. Also, we are the last team in the league to get a bye week. So remember, we haven't been able to make adjustments. We haven't been able to rest our bodies. We haven't been able to recover, watch additional film. So we'll see what comes back this following week from the Bucks. That's all I had to say about that. Yeah, I would say that your week 13 
bye week messed up my fantasy team. But let's be honest, Antonio Brown has done nothing. And uh, Leonard Fournette, I don't even know. No, so true. Look, look, it is true. So Leonard Fournette clearly has a set number of broken tackles that he can have in his career. And unfortunately, he used all of them up at LSU. The Broncos actually threw more interceptions than completions this past week. Two picks, one completion. The Broncos were also the first team to go an entire first half of a game without a completion since my boy Timmy T did it in 2011. I believe that game, although this is in duds, was a win for the Broncos. I believe Tim Tebow came back and won that game for the Broncos. So, ha, take that. Kendall Hilton, a practice squad player who was promoted to the first team to be the starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos two days before their game, Amit. This man is sitting in the locker. He is a practice squad player. And he's and a wide said, receiver. He's a wide re- he's, he's a, a practice, practice squad. squad wide receiver. That's exactly. right. Exactly. Exactly. He played quarterback in high school, a little bit in college against the Saints. He threw zero touchdowns and two picks. And what did your boy Thomas do against the Saints? Thomas threw three picks against the Saints. And zero no touchdowns, touchdowns, right? So they're pretty much the same, right? No, but the argument <laughs> the argument is, look, Kendall Hinton was a high school state championship winning quarterback. He went to college. He was a quarterback in college for two years, got injured, never got in back into it, became a wide receiver comes to the NFL, gets thrown in there, and it was a massacre. There's no way he was going to do well. So for those of you out there who may go out to bars or you're out with your friends, and they're trying to tell you that they were one injury away from being a college quarterback or one injury away from playing in the NFL or watching a game and saying, oh, man, I could go out there and do that. Nonsense. The league is just different. Is different. And no matter how good some of these guys were in high school and college, Telly, you've seen this. You've played with guys that are That's in the NFL first hand. now. That's our first hand. Percy yeah. Harvin. I played with a lot of pros. Pouncey Twins. Yeah. Hayden. It, they're they're built up. different. They, they they move faster. They're bigger. It, they it's it's just not the same. It's not it's not your pickup. What you can see on the screen is nothing compared to what they're dealing with on the field. And I've been blessed to watch an NFL game from the sidelines like from field level if anyone gets a chance to watch an nfl game from field level it is not the same as what you're seeing on tv with everything slowed down if you get to watch one from field level it is otherworldly you will not believe it also if you're at a bar get your butt home talking, talking that about right now about, I, I was one play away from making you better get your butt butt home and 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 stay out of this covid speaking of get your butt home it's time that we talk about something we've talked about for many weeks black coaches so matt patricia we have ragged on him for weeks and weeks and weeks just so people know not a black coach not a black coach <laughs> <laughs> just in case I don't want people to get confused he is not a black coach the so, story will come back and reveal a black coach we call it the black door we'll just continue here Matt Patricia something happened Telly to Matt Patricia it did Amit Matt Patricia this week got fired he got fired he had a 13-29-1 record in 2.7 seasons. In the last two seasons, they're 31st and 27th in the league in yards allowed. And this was the unit he was supposed to fix because he was quote unquote a defensive mastermind. 
in penalties. The Lions are last in the NFC North over the past two seasons, 7.96. Detroit played two snaps, Ahmed, in week eight against the Colts with 10 men on the field in defense. You know how you keep the other team from scoring? It starts with having 11 dudes on the field. <laughs> Because it's hard enough to stop a team with 11 guys. You definitely not going to stop a guy, a team in the NFL with only 10 guys on the field. And guess what? In week nine, it happened again. That speaks directly to coaching. And we've said that guys that come from a certain background are not given the benefit of the doubt like his predecessor. But Caldwell's record as the Lions coach was 36 and 28. That's a 563 win percentage, making him the first Detroit head coach who lasted at least one season to have a winning record since Joe Schmidt, who led the team from 1967 to 1972. Caldwell's 563 win percentage was the best for a Lions head coach since Buddy Parker in the 1950s. Caldwell was a good coach, and you could argue, yes, he did have Calvin Johnson, right? So he did have some weapons. It was- You know what Jim Caldwell's record was, Ahmed? When he got fired? Nine and seven? Nine and seven, and he got fired! <laughs> a winning record in the NFL. Our larger point of the piece is the-, the yeah. uh, no, I agree. Consideration that that black coaches are given in the league. And I, I brought up at the top the number. There's 13 head coaches in the NCAA, 13 black head coaches out of 130. That's 10 percent. And the NFL is worse. But I noticed the NFL did something this year, Amit. They created a black door because um, the guys who have been fired, the Texans coach, Bill O'Brien, replaced by Romeo Cronell, who is an African-American man. And Dan Quinn, fired by the Atlanta Falcons, replaced by Raheem Morris, an African-American man. So, but look, I don't know, we, maybe the NFL is creating a black door. But we've talked about this, right? So, the only time the opportunities are given, right, is when things are going bad. Oh, this is a terrible team. Now go and figure it out. And if you don't figure it out, oh, you weren't then the right gone. fit, right? And you're but only interim, this. no job security. But think about this. Nine and seven underperforming. 13 and 29, eh, let's see how let's see how it plays out. Exactly. At no point are you happy that anyone loses their job, right? But I think you're looking at it from a standpoint of opportunity. And both of these guys have problems with culture. Bill O'Brien had problems with his black players and their culture. And Matt Patricia had problems with some black players and their culture, and it didn't work out for them. Let's wrap this thing up. This week is Amit's birthday. So I gave him the day off from the wrap up. So for this wrap up, we have a very special guest. We got a tremendous amount of feedback regarding our Thanksgiving episode. I guess a lot of you guys like knowing how many turkeys we ate and how long they take to prepare. We felt like doing something a bit different and we were so glad that it went so well and it was well received. We appreciate the support and we'll do a few other beyond the number deep dives for you guys. Maybe some Christmas, maybe some New Year's, maybe a few others like that. We talked about the dangers of COVID-19, particularly for COVID long haulers, those folks who have unusually long, unexplained symptoms from COVID, including Mo Bamba of the Orlando Magic. We talked about athletes who have served their country, including Pat Tillman, who made the ultimate sacrifice, and Rocky Blyer, 
who went on to win four Super Bowls after his injury during his time of service. And in NFL Nuggets, we talked about generosity, the time given to Matt Patricia, and the donations of Jace Whitaker. And with that, happy birthday to Amit this week. Enjoy the day off. There's nothing more Amit would love than to get a bunch of new listens and follows on the pod and perhaps some five-star reviews as well. So Amit, I promised I would plug it for you. Come on, guys. Let's make Amit's birthday wish come true. I hope he doesn't spend his birthday wish on something like the Giants beating the Seahawks this week or something. We are trying to grow the pod, so be sure you share it, text it, and ask your friends. Have you gone beyond the numbers in sports this week? Happy birthday, my man. Happy birthday, Amit. Thank you for going beyond the numbers with us. We're a weekly podcast dedicated to going beyond the numbers of sports and life to bring you the story within the story of the stories that matter. We're available on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening on now, please be sure to click the follow or subscribe button to get our latest content. And remember, you can find us on Instagram, Beyond the Numbers Podcast, and on Twitter, at Beyond TN Podcast. Till next time, peace. peace.